If you were to stop me on the street when I was seven and ask me who I looked up to in life, I would have answered very quickly. I wouldn't have said the president or my grandpa or my teacher. I would almost certainly have said this guy. Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest, laughing back and forth at what the other has to say. Robin Hood. Specifically, the Disney Fox version of Robin Hood. Because I was obsessed with dogs. And finally, here was a hero who not only stole from the rich and gave to the poor and boldly broke his friends out of jail, but was an adorable canine to boot. I was smitten. Robin Hood and Little John running through the forest, jumping fences, dodging trees, and trying to get away. Here at Bitch, we cover all the angles on feminism and pop culture. And why should we restrict ourselves to the human realm? On today's show, we're plumbing the depths of our connections to animals in pop culture, examining how we identify with critters and how animals are often used in our culture as stand-ins for people, precisely because we attach to them with an unwavering adoration, like I did to that foxy Robin Hood. On this episode, we have stories of death, sex, and a cat who can play frisbee. We discuss the racial implications of the Jungle Book and ruminate on how queer animals can make humans more open-minded. There are so many good animal stories in this episode. Stay tuned. First, we'll start with cat ladies, of course. That purring you hear is a cat named Bonanza Jellybean. Mm -hmm. And the voice belongs to her human friend, poet and writer Rebecca Jean Olson. Bonanza Jellybean and Becky have lived together for six years. Currently, Jellybean is deeply engaged Mm -hmm. in a feud with a neighbor cat. They often sit completely still, staring at each other through Becky's screen door and making this otherworldly noise. It's really hard not to laugh at them. They're so serious. <laughs> Despite Bonanza Jellybean's less than convivial attitude with others, recently Becky immortalized her beloved cat in a tattoo. Yeah, this is uh, my tattoo. It's um, an old like wood carving of Freya, who's uh, a Norse goddess of just kind of like a fertility goddess, but also kind of like an interesting personality in Norse mythology. And she rides a chariot that is pulled by cats. So she has two big gray cats that pull her around the sky. And uh, she rides over a rainbow bridge uh, into the world where the gods live, and it's pretty dope. And is your tattoo uh, a cat that you know? I <laughs> requested that the tattoo artist make the... Um, the cats look like my two cats that I've had in my adult life, um, Bonanza Jellybean and Pigeon, who are both tabbies. So she added some stripes, because I like the striped cats. There's no two ways about it. Becky loves her cat. And that makes her part of one of the most familiar stereotypes around, the cat lady. We've all heard of cat ladies before, but here's an excellent summation of the stereotype, thanks to Lisa Simpson, who... In this clip, is pretending to be a newscaster reporting on Springfield's resident cat lady. People say she's crazy just because she has a few dozen cats. 
But can anyone who loves animals that much really be crazy? So saying someone is a cat lady is a way of making fun of them a bit for being a single woman, a childless single woman who loves her cats. But saying someone is a cat lady in a derogatory way doesn't really happen that often. More often, women call themselves cat ladies as a joke, as a positive way to identify. You know, like, I guess it kind of depends on the context. Sometimes I will identify as a cat lady if it'll sort of make people laugh. But I don't really know if that is a real thing. I think that the stereotype of a cat lady is that she is a single, older woman who doesn't have a husband or doesn't have a partner and doesn't have children. And so there's a lot of this, like, dis- you know, love that she is trying to put onto a pet instead of a human. And I don't really think there's anything wrong with that, so. Why do you love your cats? I mean, your cats can <laughs> sometimes, uh, I haven't interacted with them that much, but it seems like sometimes Bonanza Jellybean is kind of a jerk. Uh, she's definitely a jerk. Um, I actually started a blog that never went anywhere called My Cat's a Jerk. Uh, .com that was about <laughs> training my cat because I wanted to teach my cat tricks, but um, it wasn't working, so I shut that down. <laughs> um, but I think that I think that just like cat ladies, like the idea of a cat lady is an unfair stereotype. I think that cats get a bad rep too. My my cat is definitely a jerk sometimes, but people also like to think that women are finicky or they change their minds a lot or they have like mood swings and. A lot of people think that cats are um, hard to get to know and they're not that affectionate of creatures and they can have mood swings and stuff. And I think that that is also a stereotype of when people are like, ah, oh, women, you know? So. And I so you, that, you can identify with the moodiness of a cat. I think I understand. And I know that, like, they're not just being moody for no reason. They're just, they just have their own personalities. And so my cat... When she's being a jerk to me, <laughs> I know that it's because she, um, you know, might be, I, you know, I don't want to personify her too much or, you know, like, I know that she's just an animal and doesn't have the same emotional complexities as a human, but I know that if she's being a jerk to me, it might be because she is mad at me or needs food or has something on her mind. Why do you think there's a stereotype about cat ladies, but not cat men? I don't know. I think that there's always been kind of an association between women and cats and kind of like going back to the Middle Ages when cats were seen as witches familiars and would kind of like help witches make packs with the devil and things like that. And um, I think that cats and women just kind of got wrapped up in each other. And also cats are kind of a lot of the times they'll stay around the home and they're kind of a domestic, more of a kind of a domestic animal than like a dog that you can take out on the trail or you can do a lot of active stuff with. So I think that women and cats kind of got tied together in that way. I leave Bonanza Jellybean to her fearsome standoff and head across town to meet up with Amy Martin. Amy is an accomplished illustrator, art director, children's book author, and cat lady. <laughs> um, I am not sure whether or not I would identify as a cat lady because I think that I have, I think that the, my relationship with the phrase, I think, is a little bit conflicted. So on my Instagram, it says straight out, I'm a cat lady. And probably on my, you know, 
Twitter bio and probably my website bio and that kind of thing too. Um, and I think a big reason for that is because I grew up just being a huge fan of animals in general. And I was raised by a nurse and she had, in addition to two children, we would have four or five cats at a time growing up and dogs and bunnies. And whenever my cats would bring home animals in like various states of disrepair, she would always fix them up and then we'd have like a squirrel or a chipmunk or a bunny or a bird living with us for a while that we were like nursing back to health before we'd release it into the wild. But so for me, being a cat lady always meant that like you have all this empathy and restorative energy and you can attach to animals and you love animals and you can like more or less, I don't want to necessarily say commune with nature, but like it's a, it's a really great thing. It just means you're kind. Um, and it was after you contacted me to talk about this that I kind of like looked up cat lady stereotype and I hadn't really considered it before, but I was like, holy shit, this is a pejorative. Like that hadn't even really occurred to me that it's, that it would be like a disparaging thing that you would call someone. And now it makes a ton more sense. The more that I've thought about it, what, what that stereotype is. Um, and that I, I mean, I do, and I don't relate to, I mean, the stereotype from what I understand is a woman who is single, who is so involved with her career that she doesn't have time for human relationships. So, I mean, I definitely identify as an artist and a workaholic and I'm not married and I don't have children. So in some ways I fit that, but at the same time, I think that that stereotype is so fucking like tedious and ridiculous that I almost don't even want to give it time. But times that I kind of have heard it used with that tone, it's definitely kind of from like dudes who feel entitled to women's time and energy and are pissed off when they don't get it. And I think that that's what like the whole witch thing was about. And I think that's what calling women dykes is about. I know that when I've been called a cunt on OkCupid or Match or whatever, that's totally what that's about. On the wall above her sofa, Amy has a collection of photos in a big frame. Many of the photos are of an orange cat. She looks inquisitive. That was Amy's cat, Kudra. She points out the best pictures. Kudra. That's Kudra. That's her. Yeah. I think it was just after my 22nd birthday. I moved from Ann Arbor, where I went to college, to Los Angeles to start a job. And I'd been living in this house in Culver City for like maybe two weeks with a friend of mine. And um, one day I was out in the yard, I think I was attaching a flag or something to the, to the porch. And this pregnant cat came walking up the ladder behind me, talking to me. And I came down and she was like super skinny. She was really young. She was hugely pregnant. And um, she was really sweet and she was just chatting and letting me pet her and flopping around on her back. And like two weeks later, she'd moved in with me. I was desperately homesick from Michigan when I first moved to California. And within like a month of living there, all of a sudden I had this tiny family, which was this cat who I wasn't expecting, and then her four kittens, who she had um, under my house and then raised them in my bedroom. Um, and it was really sweet. And so I found homes for all the kittens. And then Kudra stayed with me through several cross-country moves 
and lots of different jobs and lots of different boyfriends and she was awesome she was so great she was really chatty she was really sweet she used to play frisbee with us when we lived in um la she kind of like would play fetch if we were throwing a frisbee around a circle she'd chase around the circle like wherever it went she was a great hunter she would go on these really long walks with me through the neighborhood um can you tell me about taking a walk with kudra i don't often see people walking with cats yeah i know it's strange and i've seen people walking with cats on leashes and like even i think that's kind of like weird <laughs> behavior i've never done that i think she would lose her shit if i tried to put a leash on her but i mean she was she was an indoor outdoor cat and when i went outside she would just come with me and we would walk to whole foods we'd walk to the laurel Hearst. i mean i live like kind of near the laurel Hearst in portland um we'd go for miles and she would just walk um, a few steps ahead of me, a few steps behind me. She'd like stop and sniff stuff and she'd catch up with me. Um, and as long as I was singing all the time, like she could always find me again. And when she first came to move in with me, I used to sing all the time and I still do. Um, but that was like one of the first things like, I remember her sitting on the tile roof outside my bedroom window and I was like listening to some Joni Mitchell album or something and I could hear her like singing back. So whenever I would like sing, she would always just like start right away also and when I took her to WS um, they were like oh yeah your cat you know sh her teeth aren't great and I was like well yeah they're like well for a cat that's like you know she's got to be at least like 10 or 12 years old and I was like no she's not 10 or 12 years old like she's She's 22. But when I, I took her in to start um, thyroid treatment for her, and the vet was just like, man, your cat, like, she's she's lost three pounds since she was here a few days ago, and her heart rate is so low, and her blood pressure is so low. Like, she's dying. We can't do anything for her. We really shouldn't start her on anything at all. Um, and they're like, you know, if you're thinking about putting her to sleep, this is the time to make that decision. So I called and made an appointment to have someone come to the apartment the next day. And then just laid in bed and like pulled her up on my chest and patted her and talked to her. And I was like, I think I had a movie going on in the background. Um, and I could feel her have a heart attack with my hand on her chest. And then this like, shiver of energy like went through her and went through me and I was like oh my god my cat's dead that that just happened and I decided that I was going to um see if I could bury my friend's farm so I called my friend Carson and I was like this is a weird question you totally don't have to say yes but my cat is dying and can I bury her out there and she's like yeah totally don't worry about it just whenever you need to just come out and I'll help you do it and then I ended up ultimately calling her like 45 minutes after me like okay actually I now have a cat that needs to be buried and it's like midnight on a Friday night and I'm in my apartment and I don't know what to do with this body essentially and and Carson was rad she just like had me come out and we smoked a couple cigarettes and drank some wine I slept over there. We put Kudra in their greenhouse overnight. And then the next morning, her husband made us dinner and Carson helped me bury 
Kudra under this like really pretty apple tree right next to the fire pit where we'd have like campfires out there. So she's got this like gorgeous grave now on this beautiful farm in Oregon. And it just, it makes it so much easier to think about because my life has been so transient. Like I've moved to several different cities since I had her, but I feel really good about her being there. And a week later, I was walking to the Whole Foods at 20th and Burnside to get coffee at like seven in the morning. And I heard this like high pitched crying sound. Um, and there's a woman who's kind of with me. I was like, do you hear that? And she's like, yeah, I think it's a baby. I was like, that's a kitten. Like, I know that sound for sure. Like, cause it sounded somewhere between a human baby and a bird. So I, out in the middle of the parking lot, there was a wicker basket and inside it was a women's camisole t-shirt and one tiny kitten who um, was about the size of a hamster and only had one eye open which meant that he was like maybe 10 days old at the very most like somewhere between eight and ten and i grabbed him and tucked him into my sweater and walked over to my vet's office which is just a couple blocks away um and I was like, hey, I just found this kitten. I'm assuming that whoever left it there doesn't want it. And they, I mean, they'd just seen me crying my eyes out at that same office like a week ago. <laughs> so I think all of them were like, yeah, this is your kitten. Of course, this is like, this is your kitten. This is probably your last cat. Like this cat was born just as your cat was dying. Um, so yeah, we're going to take care of that for you. Um, and so I had this little tiny kitten who I named Latka. And I had to bottle feed him for the first two months that he was alive. And for the first couple weeks, I took him to work with me every day. And I um, just kind of like kept him really close to my chest because he didn't have a mom or litter mates, which he was supposed to have. And I would have to feed him like twice every night and like give him a bath twice every night because he couldn't do any of that for himself. Um, and he was just adorable. He's this like little tiny orange kitten. He doesn't look anything like Kudra. I mean, they're kind of the same color, but totally, totally different vibes. But, um, but it was great. Like I felt like this kitten had just been kind of like dropped from the sky at the point when I, you know, I needed one. I tried to get an interview with Latka, but he is a scaredy cat. He has built a giant nest for himself under Amy's bed, and he's not budging. It's so gross under here, I apologize in advance. Latka, I see you, do you wanna come out? Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. I think that he is not interested. I poke my head down under the bed, and I don't see him at first, but then I do. A little orange fuzzball holed up in the darkness. He's where he likes to be, safe, in a loving home. I got an old tomcat, and when he steps out, all the other cats in the neighborhood. You're listening to Popaganda, the feminism and pop culture podcast. If you like this show, do us a huge favor. 
open iTunes and take 30 seconds to rate this show. It's a super quick way to help other people find propaganda. Also, one of the best things you can do is share this show. Post a note on your Facebook or your Twitter and tell your friends about it. We all know that the best way to find out about podcasts is from people you know. I love hosting this show, and I want everyone to get more feminism and pop culture in their life, so tell the world. Thanks. Thanks.